0: The Motivational Moments podcast is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Prime Information Security online at www.primeinfosec.com and with the support of our many subscribers. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's Linda Ockwell-Jenner with another Motivational Moments podcast. And today I am thrilled to bits to be interviewing the one and only, the wonderful, the quite zany Robin Banks, that wonderful, famous DJ from the UK. Hey, Robin. Hey,
1: I I, I don't know what to say. I've got a big Cheshire Cat smile across my (laughs) face. I've never had so many lovely things said about me ever. Hello, Linda.
0: Uh, So what time is it in the UK, Robin?
1: Uh, Right now it is uh, nearly one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, What have you guys got over there?
0: Um, I make it 7.53 in the morning in my office, so basically... Thank you
1: so much for getting up this early.
0: Oh, I'm always up early. I'm a workaholic. So you're not going to rush off and have lunch in the middle of the interview, are you?
1: No, no, of course. It depends how... uh, how, how probing your questions are. <laughs> uh, I might have to make an excuse. Uh, uh, I might have to take a very important call. Uh, <laughs> but no, absolutely not. I've got all the time in the world to speak to you.
0: So listen, Robin, um, I'm going to share with everybody how we found each other. I actually started stalking you on Facebook, didn't I?
1: This is completely and utterly true. Uh, <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, I couldn't get rid of this woman.
0: <laughs> and so being as you're rich and famous, I thought to myself, if I connect to you, then everybody will know who I am. I'm really clever, you know.
1: <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I and can I just say, uh, I had Linda on my radio show for an interview uh, a little while ago, and it was just a storm. So this woman has got what she set out to get.
0: Oh, you are lovely. So listen. I didn't have a chance to find out as a lot about you as you found about me when you interviewed me, so could you just walk me through how you did come to the point in your life to be this famous DJ? I mean, you didn't suddenly wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be a DJ, did you?
1: Well, I'm 38 years old now, and I started broadcasting when I was 13 years old, And I remember walking into a pirate I'm I'm from Ireland, not that you could tell from my accent, but I walked into a pirate radio station uh, with uh, a friend of mine who wanted to enter a competition when we were at school and and we went down at the the lunch break. And my friend, Richard Murphy, uh, entered the competition. And the guy that was on the air and also being the secretary and running the radio station in this small, tiny radio station in Kilkenny in Ireland said to me, Wow, if you could do that on the radio, you'd be great. I said, well, how do I do that? He said, go away and record a demo tape. And you know those old tape recorders, those cassette recorders with a play and record? (laughs) I went home and spoke into that, uh, gave it to them on a Wednesday, and I was on the air on a Friday. Um, I thought it was because I was insanely brilliant, but it wasn't. It was a small pirate radio station where nobody got paid for anything, and uh, they wanted to take Friday night off. So there was this 13-year-old kid on the air. From there, I, I went out to Israel, um, uh, worked on a pirate radio station on, on a boat for six months. Um, but before that, I, I was in the, the. I got offered a job in the local radio station, so sort of one up. Then I went to Israel. Uh, then came back to the UK, worked on uh, a couple of stations. Then got offered a, a job on a station called Atlantic 252, which was uh, in its heyday in the early 90s, the biggest commercial radio station in the world uh, with 6.3 oh. million listeners. Wow. From there, I moved to Richard Branson's Virgin Radio, spent four and a half years there. Uh, then I got fired for saying that my boss was dead because um, he was off He he was off on three weeks holiday. Oh. Most people take two weeks, and it was just a joke. <laughs> um, from there, I went to a radio station in uh, a local station in London called XFM, uh, I got resigned from them uh, after nine months, uh, went to Scotland, wow. uh, did a breakfast show, then worked for the world-famous Kiss 100 in London, uh-huh. spent seven and a half years there, um, and uh, in May of 2007, um, I don't know whether you, you, uh, you know this or, 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 or not, but I'm quite open w- with it, mm-hmm. I went into rehab uh, for drinking drugs, I was the most erratic uh, person, and I Thoughts, you know it wasn't my I didn't have a problem it's everybody else's problem uh-huh. um, and and I, I went into to rehab in uh, Spain for six weeks oh my uh, goodness. I kind of I kind of found spirituality uh, but not in a freaky way and I always say that to people not in a freaky deaky way spirituality um karma the universe whatever there is out there it's it works and I'm living proof of it uh, I came out of rehab uh, probably about this time, um, three years ago. Um, Realised that I, I wouldn't, get, uh, nobody would hire me from my off-air antics and my on-air antics. Mm-hmm. If you put my name into Google, Robin Banks, you'll see. You know, there's lots of stories about what I did in, uh, off-air and on-air, and some mm-hmm. of it's very really crazy. Um, so I came out of rehab. I, I set up a company called Tiny Box Company. Um, and uh, within six months there's a, there's a TV show on the BBC over here called Dragon's Den mm-hmm. uh, I don't know whether you've got it over, yeah, over yeah, there we, have, we, you we have our
0: own Dragon's Den I think
1: yeah well, um, we, I went on that with my new company that I set up and I was the first person in the UK series to actually get more money than they asked for
0: can, can um, I just go back I was, in time a minute before you jump into how yeah. successful you are now because you've got a wonderful wonderful story now you don't have to answer if you don't want to but what Pushed you in the direction of the drink and the drugs. Is that an awful question to I, ask?
1: I I, I always uh, thought that I was a very secure person. You know, I had on the on the outside I had everything, uh, but on the inside I was it, it, it was hell. Um, if you believe that addiction is a di- is a disease, it's the only disease that tells you that you haven't got it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, I was successful. Uh, I, I had money. I, I had a house. There was nothing bad in my life. I think, you know, I was taking drugs and drinking. Uh, I was in the, the, the media and it was kind of the world I was in. And, mm-hmm. and you know something? It was a great excuse to take Drugs and drink, because I was in the media, exactly. um, but I was manipulating myself back then, and that addict in my head was manip- was manipulating my thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was absolutely no reason for me to to drink to uh, excess and take class A drugs the amount that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just it, it just happened. Um, and I remember talking about this in in rehab, where uh, in a group session everybody had their their story as to why they they took drugs. Oh, my my band didn't quite make it when I was in in uh, in a band, and uh, they all had excuses. I was the only one that didn't. I just said, I don't know. I just it was there. I did it. It was fun at the start, yeah. but then it it got me. I don't know when it got me, but it did. And towards. The end. The last year that I that I took drink and drugs um, of uh, preceding May two thousand seven, I spent fifty thousand pounds in that year on drink and drugs.
0: My goodness. Now, obviously, you've got a family. Everybody's got a family. Um, are you close to your family? Were they trying to help you, and you were just pushing them away?
1: I was um, drinking drugs. They, that's there's a little thing in your head that you don't realise that's in your head, and it pushes you away. And people who are listening to this podcast now, some people who may have a problem with drinking drugs may, may turn this podcast off because they don't want to hear about it. Mm. Um, you push people away towards the end when I was taking drugs. I, pe- people think if, if you take cocaine, you're out partying every night. Mm. I wasn't, I was, I was in my house alone. There was no one there. I wouldn't take phone calls. Um, if I tried to ask for help, it was usually when I was high, Um, and people didn't understand what I was going through. That's what I used to tell myself, to push them away.
0: So your family must have gone through hell, that your family must have been so um, felt helpless. They wanted to help you, but they couldn't. And you now, when you look back, I guess you've said a lot of, sorry, I love you, I didn't know what I was doing, you know, that kind of deal?
1: Uh, yeah um, my um, my girlfriend, who I was going to marry uh, left, left me and went to Australia. She couldn't deal with me yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know now i can I can totally see why, yeah. just a little aside, three months after I came out of rehab, I flew to Australia and I'm getting married to her in three weeks.
0: Oh my um, goodness, congratulations that's lovely. Thank you. Thank oh, you very much. so she trusts you and she's, she, she loves you and basically she's. You're not going to live in Australia, are you? She's back here.
1: She's no, she's no, 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 no. She she isn't Australian. She literally went to the other side of the world to get to 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 get rid of me, oh. to get away from from me. Oh. Um, she left our house to where we lived together, and just uh, and and two weeks later went to Australia. Oh. Um, and of course, at the time, mm. Linda, it was her fault. How dare she? She yes. doesn't understand. And she was all the names un, under the sun. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was my fault when I actually. In, and very few people very very as, as you'll know very very few people actually look at themselves and mm-hmm. i did for six weeks when i was in rehab and i'd never done that before and i realized for the countless years before i went into into rehab even though i thought i knew myself mm-hmm. i didn't i was completely manipulating myself for the lesser good so
0: uh, let, i know you probably mentioned this and it's early in the morning so i may have not caught it what propelled you, what, you know, force came into life that made you or encouraged you to go into rehab?
1: This is, right, this is a fantastic story. Um, Whenever, what I do now is I try try and help people who are in the position that I was in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and still am, uh, although I've been clean for, for three years and when I speak to people now who, um, who come to me, I don't go and seek them. They come to me and say, can you help? One of the questions that I ask them is, has anything, has anything really strange happened? Or is, is strange things happening in your life? And invariably the answer is yes. There, for, for me, it was a bizarre, just a bizarre kind of like, there was something, you know, God, karma, universe, whatever you want to call it, was giving me little smacks on the head going, what are you doing? Um, um, pictures, you know, religious pictures would fall off my, my wall. I'd called the police once because I thought there was a man outside my, my house. And then I had to re- and uh, somebody put through my window and I called the police saying this guy outside my house. Completely, really, my, yeah. you know, uh, there was an, an almighty smash in my house. And yeah. um, I called the police because uh, this guy had put my window through, but it wasn't. It was a, a religious picture had fallen off my wall, which okay. doesn't happen. I, I, yeah. I lived in a in an 1860 Victorian house. And and various little signs. Uh, BBC Religion came uh, a week before I went into rehab to, to film me at my house for some strange reason. Uh, I still to this day don't know, know why. They were... Yeah. Looking for a, a presenter for a TV show, and uh, you know, why BBC religion? What? Why you? And, <laughs> I had lots of uh, it's just amazing. Lots of tiny little signs saying to me, "What the hell are you doing?" Bang, 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 bang. So you
0: it, actually it, turned around. The culmination
1: came. Uh, it was uh, amazing. The the culmination came when in uh, in May of 2007, when I got let go from Kiss 100, uh-huh. I got offered a job in uh, in a radio station in Manchester called Galaxy Manchester. And basically, uh, they they wanted to put me up in this plush hotel for a couple of nights, and I was Mm -hmm. on, supposed to be on the air Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. and they said, just do whatever you want, you're great, just do whatever you you want. Mm -hmm. Of course, when I drove up um, uh, Thursday, Friday, I I went and via my dealers, and I got seven grams of cocaine, Mm -hmm. uh, thinking I'll have all this done by Sunday, and I'll go and do do my show, great excuse for me to party, or stay in my hotel room and take drugs. Uh, I remember, to cut a long story short, doing an hour of my radio show b- before I got blackout. Um, and then I came to—I I must have gone outside, thinking it would be a great radio bit to go out with my mobile phone and do my show from outside. Mm-hmm. Utterly stupid. Now I look, look back, but I remember coming out of blackout, and I was in this this marquee, um, uh, and this was this is r- reality. I was in this marquee, and it was a. It was one of these freaky religious things where they were going, Jesus, this, G, And I was at the front, and I'm thinking, how did I get here? Wow. Um, that was the culmination of me going to rehab. I, I booked into rehab sort of two days later, not because I had a problem, Linda. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, you know, the amount of trouble I got myself into and the, and the you know, culminating in this, uh, doing one hour of a four-hour radio show, mm-hmm. um... The reason I went into rehab was because, quite, and quite simply, I was running away. Ninety-nine point nine percent of me was running away. Mm. The other, you know, point one percent had a problem. So I was running away.
0: Oh well, well Robin, that is that's just fantastic. I hope you're, you've either written a book or you are on the point of writing a book because your story will help so many people. Um, how easy was it? once you were out of rehab for people to trust you again family friends work how easy was it for them to say no, no no we don't trust you or we do trust you
1: the most amazing thing um is uh what i do now is i work by or i try and <laughs> work by three things um number one is honesty i try and be as honest as i can and uh, as i humanly can uh, no, number two is spirituality, which wanes <laughs> a hell of a lot. Yes. And num- number three is helping people um, who were in the position that I, uh, sorry, helping people who are in the position yes. that I was in. When I came out of rehab, I was brutally honest to everyone, and I tried to make amends, which is one of the, um, which, which is one of one of these steps in the in the 12-step program. Is you you make amends, yes. um, and I found that. It, when I was taking drugs, when I was drinking, you know, I, I, I was on, on on the outside quite an honest person. I yeah. I never, you know, stole from anyone. I, I never did anything. So I didn't really have that bridge to, to cross. Uh-huh. Um, it was just the erratic nature of, uh, of, of my personality. Yeah. Um, so it was out and was brutally honest about me. Uh, I did um, newspaper interviews. You know, the headline was, "I spent fifty thousand pounds a year on cocaine." And it it was me that that did those newspaper interviews to come out and go, "Here I am. I've got no skeletons in my closet." Uh It was honesty is the most amazing tool that anybody can have. Mm -hmm. And when I came out of rehab and started being really honest, and you've got to start being honest with yourself. I realized before I had this wake up call that even though I thought I was being honest and people who are listening to your podcast now, if they take a moment to reflect on themselves, mm. you, people aren't honest with themselves no. i wasn 't honest with myself, and I was manipulating myself so when I started being honest to myself, being honest to other people came easy, and then that in that in turn led to people trusting me.
0: Oh. So you immediately went back to work as a DJ or did that take some time
1: no that took some time when I came out of rehab I, I thought no one is going to hire me as a radio presenter because of uh, my my past track record so I I set up a company with a girl who I met in a shop oh. and uh, I did that for six seven months and some you know I crazily met this this uh, girl in a shop when I was looking for a box <laughs> and um i ended up with a box company uh, which is crazy <laughs> it is crazy,
0: um, it's great
1: uh, it is it, you know the the universe can of God what you know be careful what you ask for because when you start working this and it isn't hard to work this it's really easy it's really easy we put, as human beings, put up obstacles in our head. And as we get get older, you know, those obstacles become greater. Mm-hmm. We we have great excuses and we make excuses to ourselves as, oh, I can't do this because I'm too old. Mm-hmm. I can't do it because I have children. We come up with all these fantastic excuses. But what I like to say in my workshops and, and my one-to-ones with, with people and when they say, oh, this stuff is, you know, it, whenever... Like your book, your 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 ape book, uh-huh. your ape philosophy book. It it's simple. It just works on the the simple premise, and I work on the simple premise. And when you tell people it's really simple, they don't believe you. Yeah,
0: How amazing. can this be? Do, do you think? Yeah. Do you think in a way, and you can you know say that's not right if you want. Has has all these experiences terrible? Experiences made you a better person. I mean, I know you were uh, a good person uh, before
1: but Linda, this is a, that that's a fantastic question because somebody uh, people ask me they say do you do you ever wish? Uh, let They, they say do you ever wish they say to me as a statement? Oh, if only you hadn't taken drugs if only you didn't 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 do do that and carried on with what you were doing mm-hmm. I am so glad that I went through what I went through because I had an an epiphany. You know the way people, and you, I remember before I went into rehab, you'd you'd read these stories and you you get emails from people saying, um, I I had an an epiphany and now now I've seen the the light." Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I now know where they're coming from. (laughs) Whoa. I, I am living proof of, and if it wasn't for me going through the drink and drugs, I wouldn't have it. Uh, it's something that, that i am so glad for i am so glad that i spent 50 grand in in one year on drink and drugs i'm still paying that back i'm still paying the tax man back yeah. i you know it's all very very well you go. Noah, you're very you're successful. very rich <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i'm still paying my my debts back to you know, from from 3 years ago oh. um, but uh, i am so glad that i went through that because when i'm helping other people in 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 drink and drugs I, you know I can see myself in them and I'd say to them look you're me <laughs> I know exactly what you're going through mm-hmm. and, and and that's the most wonderful wonderful thing that I went through that you know some people said it was hell and it kind of was I remember mm-hmm. being you know in the fetal position on the floor not wanting to take drugs anymore and then a minute later doing a line of coke cocaine and being back in the fetal position crying going what am, yeah. what am I doing um, it was it was a nightmare, hell, but I'm so glad that I did it.
0: You came out the other end, and I had no idea you were getting married in three weeks. I think that's just phenomenal. So I'd love to wish you and your fiancé all the best, but um, you eventually got back into the radio, and you're tremendously successful and again you and I both know success is not about how much money we have it's about the fact that you've you've grown as a person you've turned your life around you are helping lots and lots of people and yes you're doing something you love very much you are a DJ on the radio and you're a very very good one so if there were three things you wanted to to leave with us today for our listeners and it doesn't have to be obviously don't take drink and drugs you know three things that you could offer anybody today three tips for having a happy and successful life what would they be robin
1: okay the three tips you give me right, three tips number one look at yourself and look at yourself honestly spend a while and go is these problems in my life are is it a other people, because we have this blame culture, is it the other, or is it me? Mm-hmm. You will probably realize, if you're brutally honest with, with, with yourself, it's you. Number two, if you, uh, if you or anybody else around you has got a drink or drug problem, um, you've got three, cho- three, it's really, really simple. You've got three choices, and they're really three clear-cut choices. Uh, you or they can either get better, they will either die, or they will lose everything they're the only three choices you have mm-hmm. um, and number three try and get out of your mind this uh, this is just what I believe this fallacy of success the fallacy of success is you, you know you've got to earn a lot of money you've mm-hmm. got to do, you know you've got to do, do this that's that's a fallacy if you are true to you and true to your life uh, in and, and and happy and just happy That is successful and that will breed money, that will breed success in your job, that will breed a successful you. The interior is really what counts.
0: Whoa, um, you should have my job. I'm supposed to be the most eventual speaker here. And you I'm i kind of um I didn't feel like crying because I feel sorry for you, but I felt crying because, as you say, you reached that epiphany and you and you and you went and sought help and you struggled really, really hard. Um, you know, you 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 won't get the no, love of no, your life. Linda.
1: Back. Uh- no, Linda, I, dis- I, I didn't go and seek help. I was running away, and I didn't struggle really, really hard. I, I, I really didn't. I, a lot of people say to, say to me, "Oh, is it, is it really hard now not drinking?" It was the most wonderful thing I've ever done, is going to rehab. And I think everybody, mm-hmm. irrespective of a drink or a drug problem, yeah. should go away on a retreat and look I, at them I, I that agree. themselves. I agree. It's easy, Linda. Well, Once you make that decision it's easy
0: you're taking away the the scare factor the fear factor for so many people Robin so I stand corrected you've you've now opened all our eyes and if you can say it's easy after the challenges you've been through um, I'm a softie at heart and I love the story about you you know flying off to Australia and getting the love of your life back and that's like a happy ending that's wonderful and I know that you'll continue to be successful in your personal life and your business life and you're going to have a successful marriage And if it's okay with you, I'd love to interview you again in a couple of months after you've got into married life and see how you enjoy see where you are with your career. And I'm thinking down the line, you and I both do a lot of charity work and volunteer our time. So we'll have to have a little chat about uh, me coming over there and we'll put on an event together to raise money for a charity of your choice, maybe some kind of idea like that. That sounds absolutely
1: fantastic. I'd love to meet you and give you a big hug.
0: Oh, well, um, Birmingham is my hometown, as you know, and everybody laughs at my accent, but I'm very proud of it. So, listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for opening your heart to everybody. Thank you for becoming my friend. I'd like to think we're friends. And uh, oh, it's just been, been wonderful. it's been wonderful, Robin. We will meet each other one day. So for now, thank you very much. Please give my love to your lovely fiance and have a I wonderful day. Have a wonderful day, Robin.